Welcome to Before the Lights. I'm Brittany Wilson, and we have a special guest here today, Tim Howard. Super excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, so we're at Crossbar. Um, we'll talk more about that later, but this is actually the first interview in person, so I'm super excited about that. And you know, this interview is kind of crazy because if I think about it, I've kind of looked up to you because obviously as sure. a goalkeeper my entire life as a goalie, so that's it's pretty means, cool to have you here. I'm old and I appreciate that. <laughs> no. um, but yes, that's cool. We've got that in common, which is fun. Yeah, a little craziness in mm -hmm. common, but mm -hmm. it's fine. Um, keeping it local, mm -hmm. what has the transition, obviously it's been a few years, but what has the transition been like from playing overseas to now playing for the Rapids, playing in the MLS? What has that been like? Uh, it's been great. You know, I was, I was excited to come home. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been spent 13 years in, in the Premier League and living in Manchester, England. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when I, when I started discussing the possibilities of coming to Denver, I was, you know, I'd been to Denver before and I knew about the club, so I was excited about it. Um, you know, I, I think any time that an MLS club brings in a player from abroad, whether it be a national team player or a foreigner, it doesn't matter, there's kind of this onus on that player to, to come in and take responsibility of the club, like, not just be another player, right? Like, if they're, they're going to be a big player and more often than not highly paid and there's going to be a responsibility on that player to to buy into the ethos of the club and try and push the club forward. And so I felt that I had that obligation and I wanted to, I, again, I didn't want to throw my weight around, but I, I think I, I felt like I had experience that that was the reason they were bringing me in and I wanted to try and help continue to build a culture within the dressing room and around the club. And so far that's that's been really good for me. Yeah, what has that culture been like? And obviously you've had years of leadership and that's a pretty big thing for you. And obviously out of the back, yes. you're, you're just kind of a natural leader. So. What qualities do you think you need to bring out to even the younger boys? Because there's tons of guys on your team yeah. that, sorry, I don't mean to call them boys, but yeah, <laughs> younger boys. guys on your team. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I think that in America, when I learned so much about football, most of my footballing experience was in England, okay. which is a very traditional country. But even across Europe, there are certain traditions that are upheld within a football club, and uh, there's a certain hierarchy that, that has to happen, and particularly with young players. Um, if you're a, if you're a young player at a, at a club in, in, in England or Europe, you're you're, you're nothing. It doesn't matter how good you are. You, you, you just you clean the boots and shut up and, and do the right things. And in America, we have this uh, idea that we all, we're always thrusting our young players to the forefront and putting them on mm. websites and, 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 and billboards and all that. And I don't think it's actually a good thing. Uh, I, I genuinely believe as a young player, you have to earn your keep and yeah. um, do whatever is asked of you. And so. Again, creating that, you know, we have good, we have good time with the guys, especially yeah. the younger guys, but, um, you know, letting them know that there's a place for them and, and they need to continue to perform on the field day after day, and, uh, keep their mouth shut in the dressing room, and uh, again, earn their keep. So there's part of that that I learned playing in Europe that I think is important to the Ameri to the young American kids. Yeah. Going overseas from the U.S., mm -hmm. obviously you talk about how you kind of got to earn it yes. from the beginning. What did that look like from you? Because because yeah. you started at you know not the bottom, but you were a young guy yes. coming in and so I, I had both ways. I had I was I was a young player and I was a foreign player. Yeah, uh, American like, uh -huh. and Americans before me. A few have uh, some success, but overall it wasn't this this range of Americans playing over there. Like we, we had to earn it, and so yeah, for me it was it was very much you know keep my mouth shut, <laughs> head down, work hard, earn respect. Yeah. Um, of not just the older players, but everybody at the club. Um, and again, after a while, I, I did that. But I only, it was only because 
you know, I, I think I went about it the right way from, from day one. Like, I didn't really have much choice. I went to Man United and it was like, you know, the, one of the best teams in the world and all these yeah. superstars. Had I done one thing, stepped out of line <laughs> once, I, I'd, I'd have yeah. put my place pretty strongly. So, yeah. you know, I learned those lessons early on. What do you think instilled that in you? Um, obviously, you kind of had a hard mm -hmm. coming up to this and mm -hmm. making it overseas. I know, especially now and probably when you did it, is mm -hmm. the odds are stacked against you. And I know your personal story probably is mm -hmm. the same way. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I was, I was, I was brought up by a single mom and humble beginnings, humble background. You know, my son, my my, my brother and I were latchkey kids, and you know, my mom worked, and we'd go to school, and then kind of come home and rummage through the the cupboard and pantry and get some lunch, and then go off in the neighborhood and run around until the lights came on. So, uh, or street lights came on, you know. And it's when 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 that's your foundation, then. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to veer away from that, you know. So my my mom is incredibly hardworking and incredibly uh, humble and down to earth, and so I, I've learned I learned a lot of that from her, and, and still she instilled that in me. So once I got out on my own, at, you know, 18, I signed professionally, and I started getting my own apartment on my own and driving and, and some freedom. I, I I never got too far away from uh, where I grew up, and um, you know who who my mom taught my brother and I to be. Yeah. And I, I've heard a lot about your mom yeah. from your past interviews yeah. and all that stuff. What influence do you think she's had on just who you are, not only as a player and but as a person? Yeah, you know, my mom. Uh, my mom is an immigrant. She was born in Hungary, and they came over to the states in 1956. And again, my everyone had to kind of fight for it. You know, it was it was it was um, scraps, and it wasn't a lot for uh, for the family at that time, and so. Again, everything I've ever known uh, was through my mother and, and through her work ethic. And again, not not a ton of money in the household, but like still, I have a great upbringing, you know. Mm -hmm. So the way she raised my brother and I, um, I, 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 it was it was it would have been impossible for me to be any other way that, that I am. She worked two jobs and she provided and she did it without complaint. And so when you have all of those things in front of you as an example. Uh, it was only natural that I would kind of fall into uh, that kind of characteristic. Yeah, totally. And looking back now, um, I see you do you doing you're doing Howard's Heroes mm -hmm. and all those um, other things. What does that mean to you? Kind of full circle coming back and, mm -hmm. and helping those kids out and talking to those kids. Yeah, well, look, I think that uh, you know every every athlete has the opportunity to be a role model. Doesn't mean they have to be or should be. You know, some people just aren't that way inclined and that's okay. Um, but if you have something that's, that you're passionate about or that you want to give back, um, I think you should. I think we have a great platform to do that. And you know, with Howard's Heroes, and I know how difficult it is coming up as a, as a young kid with, with Tourette Syndrome, and I know how difficult it can be on the families as well. And, and that's what I see a lot. Like, Yes, it's tough for the kid, but then I also meet moms and dads and brothers and sisters, and yeah. I get how it affects everyone. So I just, you know, it's an opportunity for kind of me, me to hear their story, and for they inspire me, and, and, and in turn, I, I think I inspire them, and it's just kind of, it's nice to give back in that way. Uh, it's a small way, but it's something that, that I feel like has a big impact. Yeah, definitely. Do you see yourself in those kids, and <laughs> yeah. do you think... Um, when you when you are that age mm -hmm. and you know you got diagnosed and mm -hmm. all that stuff, what 
brought that confidence in you to know that I'm still going to make this happen. Mm. This is not going to be something that stops me. It's going to be yeah. something that carries me even, even farther. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, to be honest, I see a lot more strength in these kids today. You know, when I was young, I was I was a popular kid. I played sports, my, uh, you know, I played soccer and basketball. My buddies played football and basketball. And so I never had a problem, like, making friends and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I hear about I didn't have the, the strength to do this, but I hear about young kids, they come to the stadium and tell me, like, they get up in front of their class and tell everybody what the TS is and explain it to it, and I just, I'm blown away by how strong-willed these young kids are. Um, and so I, I encourage them to do that if they can, you know? Um, and just, and I, I didn't have that when I was younger, but now that I have all the confidence in the world, yeah. that I, I let them, I try and encourage them that, like, if. You can basically do anything. I think when you're that age and you don't have role models and you don't, you're unsure of yourself. You, you don't know what you can be. You know, I used to worry about all types of things like driving a car or like would I be able to play soccer? Like so, which seems stupid now, but at the time they were so real. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Where did that confidence come from then? Because you said at the beginning, yeah. you know, you weren't super confident mm -hmm. in it. You tried to hide it. Yeah. Where did the confidence come from? Just owning who you yeah. are. And I think that you. I think you gain confidence through. Um, positive results, positive outcomes, you know, I think if you always have negative outcomes, you're going to be down on yourself, but I don't know, I became so successful at soccer because of or in spite of TS, and as I just started gaining more confidence in my playing ability, and kind of who I was, and the friends I had around me, I started realizing that, like, TS wasn't a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah, so... Who was your major role model back then? What made you, because obviously you're a role model, model for these mm -hmm. kids now, which is cool. Mm -hmm. But who, who would you say was your biggest role model back then that helped you, that helped you come out of, of where you were mm -hmm. and just own who you are? Um, I, I had so many good people around me, you know, so many good coaches. I think of, you know, the one guy back when who I knew had TS was uh, Chris Jackson, actually Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, he played here in, in Denver. It was just kind of cool to see a professional athlete like yeah. who had TS. I was like, "Whoa, that's kind of cool. That's me," you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so we talk a lot about confidence, and obviously, I feel like as a goalkeeper, you just need to kind of be have an unwavering confidence. Where does that come from? Besides the role models and mm -hmm. and what you've been through, where do you get that confidence? I think there's I think there is a vast difference between confidence and self belief. I think self belief for me has always been excuse me, confidence ebbs and flows based on winning and losing, based on success and failure. And so I think you can always be short on confidence if you're not winning and high on confidence if you're playing really well and winning. Self-belief is completely different. Like I, there were times when I was at Man United when I first went over and like results weren't going well and I was conceding goals, but like my belief in myself that I had the ability to do it never wavered. Okay. And so I try and tell, you know, some of my own teammates, but even the younger kids, like, there's a big difference between that. And I think we, we often morph the lines or blur the lines. And, and they're two different things. Like, okay, I wasn't confident at the time, and maybe I was fumbling some balls that I shouldn't, but I always had the, ability, I always had the belief that I could, I could get to that point. I could get to the point where I was going to learn to be better. So for me, there was never a doubt in my self-belief, you know? Um, but again, sometimes you don't have any control or confidence. It's just based on how you're performing. Yeah. Did you ever have a low point with that, or a low point in any of that experience overseas where you're just like, I don't know if I can do this? Never, no, no, 
low points in that I was frustrated that I wasn't playing great, okay. but never that I uh, that I wouldn't come out the other side of it. Yeah. No, there was never a moment where I thought I'm not gonna be able to do this. I always thought I would, but again, that's that. That's that undying belief in myself, but yeah, I think there's all there's a lot of low points when when you're losing and you're not playing well, you know, because you need you need to win in order to make that happen. Yeah, what do you think sets you apart? Because we've talked about mm-hmm. this, but just the mentality of a goalkeeper, I feel like, has to be very different. Mm-hmm. You're back there by yourself, like you said, you have to have a yeah. lot of self belief. What yeah. do you think are some of the attributes that have set you apart and made you believe from a very young age that I'm going to make this happen mm-hmm. and I'm going to be this type of player. I think that goalkeeping, and you can relate to this, I, I think that goalkeeping is a show, it's an act. It's, you know, I often talk about a lot of goalkeepers who I don't think are going to make it have this deer in headlights kind of look where like everything's going around them and it's chaos in the box and there's shots coming and the crowd's are like, there's like, they're kind of staring into the deep outer space. And I think you need to yell and scream and pat people on the back. And it needs to be the show, like I am in control. Like if I decide to yell at the referee, because I chose to do it. If I decide to like tell my defender it's okay, no problem, pat him on the back, it's because I want to create a sense of calm. Like I, I, I control the emotion of everything. And so I think it's almost like a theater production and you're kind of you're kind of acting. Even like, you know, there's times when I often say with goalkeeper when I talk about doing headlights, the ball goes in and the goalkeeper's just like this and he picks the ball out or she picks the ball out and you're like and like that, that's a time that needs a reaction. Mm-hmm. A good reaction, like, hey, everything's fine, or a really firm, re- but, okay. but it, can't be, it can't be anywhere in between. It has to be one or the other, right? Yeah. Because that's a moment that needs a reaction. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a theater production. That's an interesting way to think about it because now that I'm thinking about it, when I was younger, mm-hmm. I would just react. Like when, mm-hmm. I, when I got scored on, you know, yeah. I was a little girl that was pissed. <laughs> I, I had times I kicked the goalpost, right. all this right. stuff. Good, yeah. and, and it's funny because seeing you play, mm-hmm. it's not that you're out of control, but you're so in control that you are able to yell at people and you are able to calm them down at the same time. How do you choose those moments? Well, well it's very calculated. I tell people all the time, no matter what you see on the field, it's calculated. There's nothing that I do, nothing. Like I, I, Very rarely may, I can count maybe one hand in approaching 700 games. I can count on one hand the, the amount of times that I was completely out of control. Very rarely happens, and everything I do on the field is calculated. Whether it's yelling at the referee or kicking the ball into the stands after a goal, or again patting the teammate on the back or saying it's okay. Everything, everything for me is, is a calculated uh, movement or or verbal words. It, it's I, nothing is ever off the cuff. Yeah. So again, I, I am the I'm the puppeteer. I'm the I'm the orchestrator of everything that happens. Yeah. Huh. That's so interesting to think about because you really are in control of the mm-hmm. back, whether it's calm or whether it's crazy. What response have you gotten from teammates in the past? Um, you know, because you know, you're the guy in the back that's that's running everything, yeah. and if they do something wrong, they know they messed mm-hmm. up. You know, yeah. from you. Um, I think I think for me, what I've what I've learned a long time ago, and, I've, and again I've, I've learned it through mistakes and and failures and. I yelled at the wrong guys at the wrong time and <laughs> didn't end up well for me. Um, what I've learned is is I, I try and show my teammates off the field that I love them, that I would do anything for them. I'll show up every day and I'll be accountable and if they need me on or off the field and there so that when I speak to them on the field, they're not taking how I'm saying something, but they're taking what I'm saying. So speaking about family, mm-hmm. obviously you've talked about how, how important yours is. Mm-hmm. 
What changed in your life when you had those kids? Um, I think everything really. You know, once you any any parent will tell you, once you have kids, it just becomes all about them, and mm-hmm. they become your motivation, and and uh, you know, you become the, their protector and provider, and uh, I think it softens you in a way. You know, mm-hmm. it softens you in a way where you don't. I think up until that point, for better or for worse, you can just kind of look after yourself, you know. And when you have children, it's like, nah, this is it. And it's a great thing because all your focus goes to them, and you realize how much you love you have to give, and how much energy and compassion you have. So it's been good. Now that they're one's a teenager, one's almost a teenager, <laughs> becomes a different world. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, who do you strive for to be as a father to them? Mm-hmm. What instilled that in you? Like, what kind of man do you want mm-hmm. to be for them? Well, look, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect, and I failed nearly every hurdle, but I think that, um, you know, being hardworking, being accountable, um, being consistent and present, and all of those things, I think whether it be school or friends or soccer, basketball, football, whatever it is they want to do, play or be, um, I think that consistency and that hard work, you know, being dedicated to, you know, to sticking to something, do it, doing something, so you're going to do it and sticking to it, I think is... Uh, is big and if you, if you kind of follow that path you won't be too far off. So your family dynamic growing mm-hmm. up and your family dynamic now, mm-hmm. how does that influence who you are as a soccer player? Has that changed to who you are and how you play? Um, no, not really. I've always been so sing- singularly focused on soccer and I've been able to like, it's been my sanctuary, you know, mm-hmm. it's been it, as tough as it is and as hard as the press can be and the fans can be and wins and losses, I've got it kind of, you know, you have and flow. It's always been my place of like peace and um, in a really odd way. So anything I ever had going on in terms of my family, good or bad, soccer has always been that release for me. Yeah. And so, and I've seen some people who it's not been the case for them, but for me, it's always been like that two hours a day. I like I've looked forward to or, like yeah. being in the dressing room. Like even in like some of my my toughest times in life, I'd spend hours in the dressing room like with my buddy. And, like I don't want to go home or whatever. Yeah. You know, like yeah. um, and so it's always been a place of, of safety for me. Yeah, and I, I can kind of relate to that too with what I've been through. And mm-hmm. I think it's a healthy way of, of getting it out. And it can be you know when stuff is crazy at home, that's where even though it's crazy on the field yeah. and you're trying to get better and you want to win, it's it's just where you go to. To get that all out. Well, I think we're lucky to have it. I don't think a lot of people actually have that, you know. Um, it's my work, but I, I think when people have difficulty at home and they got to go to work, they don't always, mm. you know, people aren't always as lucky to be an athlete and have that release, yeah. you know. So, yeah, we're lucky. Did that start at a young age? Where do you think you noticed it that soccer was not just something you're doing for fun and that it became something that's kind of or at least for you. Well, in hindsight, I, I mean, I don't think I noticed it at the time, right? Like, I think you're too young. I was too young to notice it. Yeah. But certainly, I can remember going to the basketball court or being on a soccer field and just never wanting to leave yeah. at certain times. And at the, at, you know, when you're a teenager or a young kid, you don't, you don't know why you're doing it. But when you look back, you think, that's because that's where I had the most joy and the most peace. That's where my friends were, and that's where I felt loved. And You know what I mean? Like, yeah. outside. Obviously, I felt loved at home, but, like, you also have... It's important to be embraced of other aspects of your life. Yeah. How did you feel set apart? Because obviously to make it as big as you have and continue to, how how at that young age, or did you realize it at a young age that this is serious? This isn't me just go and play with my buddies all the time, you know, this um, is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I was one of those kids that, uh, you know, I would either, I'd try out for a team and I'd, 
and make every team. I didn't have many setbacks in that regard, you know, which is why I think why I'm most proud of when I got to Man United and I stumbled that I pushed through and I was able to spend 13 years in the, in the Premier League because from the, from the time I was, I picked up a soccer ball to, you know, 23 when I left for England, I never really had that many setbacks. I didn't, I didn't get cut from any teams, you know, and so I was kind of, kind of on the up and up and that's a really good thing, but I also think failure is important too. You know, I think you, I, for me personally, I, I think you, you only learn from your failures. You only learn from, from yeah. losses, you know. I think when you're training well and you're playing well and you have success, you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You just yeah. do it. I think when you fail, you quickly go back to the drawing board, whether you know it or not. You're like, okay, well, I have to fix this or I'll keep failing. And so I think you learn from your failures. And so I'm not saying it was a great thing. I'm just, my point is all, I, I didn't really have a ton of setbacks when it came to soccer. You know, yeah. I was always, I was always, one of the better players. I played on really, really good teams with other great players. And yeah. so like, there was this kind of this trajectory. So it was inevitable that I would have to kind of come back down to earth at some point. Yeah. What do you think, um, you talk about failure mm -hmm. and obviously you mean, sometimes there's individual failures with games, you lose yeah. a match, but do you ever have a time in your life, even outside of soccer or within soccer mm -hmm. that you'd consider one of the biggest learning lessons, one of the biggest failures for yourself? Um, Outside of the game, I think I've had, I think I've had, I've had certain things, whether it be you know even with sponsorships that haven't worked out or friendships that haven't worked out. You know, getting divorced, I think for anyone is a big fail. Ah, it can be seen seen as a failure um, socially, and so you know those are kind of things that. But again, I think your character is who you are, right? Like my character as an athlete is kind of who I am as a person, and so it was a stumbling block that thankfully myself and my family got through and we're better off for it, you know, on the back end and but that was certainly an off the field failure that, that took a lot of energy, as you can imagine, and time to kind of get through and to heal and so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Divorce can be hard yes. and especially for the kids involved too. How do you make sure you maintain with them just that spirit and making sure they know that you love mm -hmm. them and, and everything? Yeah, well, we have, uh, our, my kids are very lucky. We have, uh, we have an amazing, amazing family dynamic. And I don't think you have, I think family dynamics look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so we, my, my children are incredibly loved. And um, as, you know, people always comment about uh, myself and my ex-wife and her husband that we figured something out. Yeah. You know, we've got, we, we have some sort of magic formula and I basically tell them it's just hard work and, um, Compromise and compassion, and if you have that, it's great. And so, you know, obviously, my kids are incredibly lucky to have. You know, we work hard at it, but and then they're amazing children too. So. Yeah, you talk about working hard off the field. Mm -hmm. What type of impact are you wanting to have right now? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about Howard's Heroes, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. what are some of your main passions off the field? Um. Well, as I get in the end of my career, I think television is certainly something I'm passionate about. I have an ownership stake in uh, a USL team in Memphis. Mm -hmm and a team in, um, in England, back in the Redbridge. So, you know, that's something that I'm moving into after playing, and I'm excited about it. It keeps me up at night, and, uh, you know, trying to get deals done, and yeah. infrastructure in place, and operations, and there's so many things that are involved on that side of it that I really, really enjoy. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to work hard. Being idle doesn't work with me, so I kind of have to make sure I have something else to do when I retire, and I kind of jumped into that probably a year, year and a half before I finish, which so I'd be able to kind of transition into it. 
that part's been really good. Um, it's just what I know. You know, I think I think I think hard work. I, I like to be in control of things that I can control. I think as a goalkeeper, as you know, you're very much out of control. You know, you just have to just wait there and sit in your little box and wait until someone comes in. Uh, which is why I love basketball because you can <laughs> make stuff offense, happen. defense, transition. Yeah. You know, the goalkeeper just sit there. Um, so yeah, I like I like being able to manage my workload and being and working hard, and I feel like you know I get satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Obviously, the game doesn't last forever for everyone. Right. Luckily for you, it's been, it's been a yes, while. Yes, it's been a long time. <laughs> but are you nervous at all for that transition, or are you excited? I'm excited. You know, I think that, you know, anytime you finish, it's bittersweet. I had friends who were, who were on a very good trajectory and playing international football and have had knee injuries and have to stop at the age of 25. And I'm here, I am 40, and... I'm lucky that I played that long. What I would say is, the, way the easiest way to explain is if you offered me a pill today that allowed me to play until 50, that would be great, but at 50 it would be bittersweet and hard. And so the end is always yeah. tough. Yeah. Uh, but I'm ready, you know, I put things in place that get me excited and get me out of bed every morning. As I said, the ownership and the television, it's all things I'm very passionate about. And so, you know, the idea was to put things in place that I felt like I wanted to do, that I wasn't just kind of going through emotions and like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but I have to. Yeah. And I found that. So I do, I feel lucky. Uh, I'm blessed, but I feel lucky that I've, I've had some of these opportunities come along. Yeah. For players who are either in your spot or he, who are even in college mm -hmm. and, you know, it's kind of towards the end of the career, um, you talked about just finding that other passion, mm -hmm. but would you have any other recommendations for people who are coming to the end? Well, no, I just, I think it's just that. The, the problem with athletes is most of the time it's all we know, even student athletes, like most of the time it's all, it's all we know and it's, it, it, it becomes who we are and it's okay. And I think what ends up happening is you just get scared. I see with guys, I see with guys uh, my own age or guys I play with, they're so scared to think about what's next that they just keep putting it off and putting it off. Yeah. And if they, if, if they, had enough wherewithal to say, okay, I think I'm coming to the end. I think I can earn a contract next year. But if I don't, I'm going to start thinking about coaching and whatever else. Yeah. Then if they get the contract next year, great. Yeah. No problem. You've just, you've extended your career. Yeah. But if not, you're ready. And I think a lot of guys just put blinders on and like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. And, yeah. then, and then it comes and, and the depression sets in and this, this feeling of like, I don't know what's next sets in. And then, yeah. then you're behind the curve. And so... I always tell people to stay ahead of the curve and network, and we're in a great business to network, you know, and in sports you meet all kinds of people, and for better or for worse, when you're an athlete, you're irrelevant, mm -hmm. and people want to be around you and talk to you, the second you're not an athlete anymore, you don't have a lot to offer, and that's it's the sad truth. Yeah. Have you felt that weight on you as an athlete and as somebody who has such a big platform to be a certain way or act a certain way? Not really. I think when you... I think when uh, the older you get, I think you stop trying to please people and try and and, and I think you, people often say oh, I'm a people pleaser. I think human human beings want to please people, um, but I kind of got to the point where I am who I am. I think I like who I am for the most part. Other people don't always like, which is fine. Um, and I just I, I kind of got to the point where this is how I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to operate. Um, I keep my circle very small. I don't allow a lot of people in that circle. Yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of comfortable with my own world and, and how I operate within it. So, yeah. but it does, that's, listen, that's not easy. You know, when I was in my mid to late 20s, I, 
again, I would say yes to everything, and I would get stretched so thin, and then I was like, I don't have time for myself. And finally, I got to, I forget whatever age it was, at the point I was like, nah, I need, I need to make sure I'm right yeah. before I like extend myself too much. Yeah, totally. Well, obviously you can see tattoos yes. mean a lot to yes. you. Yes, that's my passion outside the game, for sure. What is, you don't have a favorite one maybe, but a most meaningful one. Yeah, I think my, my por- I have a bunch of portraits. Uh, a wonderful portrait artist in Manchester, England. And um, she's amazing. And I don't know how she does it, but they're long. They hurt the oh. most, I think, just because they're, they're long and arduous. And they end up just looking incredible. So yeah. um, I've got my mom when she was young. My grandfather, he was a Hungarian army. I've got a bunch of my kids. I've got Malcolm X. I've got JFK. So, yeah, uh, those are kind of some of my favorites. Yeah. What are what do those two mean to you, Malcolm X, JFK? What's well, I, I think I'm, I, I think with with America in general, I'm I'm pretty enamored with um, and intrigued, I should say, with the civil rights movement, you know, um, or civil rights in general. And um, I don't know, I kind of kind of feel like kind of feel like we haven't come too too far from from where we were back in the fifties and sixties. And some people might scoff at that, but I think if they open their eyes, they probably actually see where we're. We're not too far removed from that, and so I think it's just a very intriguing time um, in American history that continues to resurface. So, um, but yes, I'm very interested in civil rights. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I always ask a few questions at the end. Yes. My first one is if you could go back mm-hmm. um, to when you first started playing soccer. What age was that when you started playing? My first kicked the ball was six. I, six. You know, yeah. All right. Wow. If you could go back to age six. Mm-hmm. What are two or three things that you'd tell yourself with all the things that you've learned and all the things that you know now? Um, I would tell myself that when the coach asks you to go and go, don't. Cause <laughs> I, I think I'm a striker. I don't know if I'm a good one. Like, oh, no. Yeah. But, uh, well, when I retire, I'll be a striker. I'm going to come with you. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I think it's easy in hindsight, as I said, the failures and the bumps in the road are good. Um, but yeah, I would probably, the advice I would probably give, which I give my daughter now and certainly my son, is that like, you know, don't get, don't beat yourself up too much over, over the, the failures and not making teams and like just keep working and, and it'll all come good. But that's easy in hindsight. Yeah, totally. Um, the other question is if you could, if you didn't have sports at all in your mm-hmm. life, um, never had soccer, never had the career that you did. What's the legacy you would want to leave or how would you want to be remembered just as Tim Howard? Without sports? Yeah. Um, it's a hard one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just a good all, good all around person. I think um, a good friend, an accountable friend, yeah. um, you know, someone who cared about other people, you know, the well-being of other people. Uh, and obviously, there's certain causes that I feel like, whether it's sports or not, that I would be drawn to in terms of trying to be a voice for those causes. So, yeah. probably something along those lines. Yeah, like what you're doing now. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you so much thank for you. taking the time. This is awesome. Good. Well, I appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. Thank you.